Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now, I am not reintroducing the idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief. When you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. When I think artificial intelligence... I think Dr. Stephen J. Lawson, you know, that didn't come out exactly right. This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Lawson, wow, I don't know what sort of debt you're paying off, but you're joining us once again to talk to us about expository preaching and your Expositors Conference, which is coming up in August in Oklahoma City or Washington, D.C. Learn more at onepassion.org. Register your pastor or pastor, register yourself. Use the code wretched and you'll save $48.01, making the ticket, the price of admission, $99.99. And we'll send you a copy of Drive By Theology, 35 give or take systematic theology lectures with Dr. Stephen J. Lawson, who is going to help us judge artificial intelligence. Dr. Lawson. In preparation for this, that's right. I actually did some preparation for this, and oh, it was difficult. I had to push several buttons. I went to an AI, to a chatbot, Dealy Bob, and I asked it some questions about expository preaching. And I would like to share what AI says about the cons of expository preaching. And you tell me if AI got it right. Are you ready, sir? I, I live ready. I was born ready. All right. Here we go. This is from... The AI machine. While expository preaching has many benefits, there are some potential cons or challenges associated with this approach. Numero uno, time consuming. It requires extensive study and preparation, delving into the historical, cultural, and textual context of the biblical passage, which can be time consuming, especially for pastors with multiple responsibilities. And you say human being intelligence? Uh, listen, the, one of the great positives of expository preaching is that it does require the pastor to live in the Bible. And it is a sanctifying effect in his life. And it conforms him to the image of Christ as he's in the word of God. Uh, if he's out of the Bible, then he is prone to carnality and temptation and worldliness, etc., so uh, Robert Murray McShane said in the 19th century, the greatest need of my people is my personal holiness. And the, the chief uh, really factor in your personal holiness is the word of God. Uh, that's God's primary agent uh, in our sanctification. So expository preaching has an enormous effect upon the spirituality uh, of the pastor and that, that is absolutely necessary to be a spiritual leader, that you be a spiritual man. So expository preaching has this built-in benefit that you live in the word of God. But, but this cannot be so, sir. Artificial intelligence said it's a con. See, this is, this is why AI isn't going to rule the world. All right, number two. I got a, I got a slew of them. Artificial intelligence says a con, <laughs> a slew. That describes a lot of things around here. Number two con to expository preaching is limited 
sermon topics. I'll read what it says. Expository (laughs) preaching focuses on working through a specific book or passage of the Bible systematically. This can limit the range of sermon topics and may not address the immediate needs or concerns of the congregation. Oh, my word. I'm, I'm in pain right now. I need to be in traction. Um, the Bible is the most relevant book that has ever been written in the history of the world. The Bible addresses every person on planet Earth, whatever continent you live in, whatever generation you're a part of. And to say that preaching through the Bible limits you, you and connecting with the real needs of people is to totally misunderstand what the Bible is in and of itself. And and so you'll never be relevant in your preaching unless you do preach the Bible. And so expository preaching guarantees that you are connecting with where people live because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what the Bible does. So what you're reading from AI is obviously drawn from an empty well. Number three, difficulty in application. Some critics argue expository preaching can be heavy on theology and explanation, but light on practical application. While it provides a thorough understanding of the biblical text, it may not always directly address the specific life situations or challenges faced by the listeners. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Number four. If there is, if it, no, no, if there's a limitation on that, the limitation is on the preacher, not on the word of God. Now, Todd, I just finished preaching through the book of Genesis, which, you know, was the first book written by, by Moses, uh, 3,500 years ago. Y- you would think that that would be so irrelevant that that would be disconnected to me being in Dallas, Texas, preaching to people here. The application on that book was just incredible. There's there's so much in Genesis. There are there's lots it's, of answers in Genesis. Yeah, well, it speaks to where people live. Nothing has changed. Human nature is the same. Uh, temptations are the same in their basic categories. And so by preaching the Bible, I am guaranteed to be addressing the needs and the lives of people. It just takes a little time to give thought to it because you can buy the interpretation in a book. You have to give careful thought to the application. I I would be surprised if you get to this, but at your seminars in August, Oklahoma City, Washington, D.C., will you be talking about how to preach the Old Testament? I would love to. Um, In fact, I just... Um, I, I have a two-volume commentary on Psalms that, that I preached verse by verse through all 150 Psalms. I have a commentary verse by verse through the book of Job, which is 42 verses. I preached through the entirety of the book of Job. Um, I would love to have time for that. Yeah, that, I, I suspect you I wouldn't, but, it, but it is a specific uh, consideration when it comes to expository preaching because— we 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 typically see Old Testament when we go back and we read these great historical narratives in support of the theology we see revealed in the New Testament. So 
there is an art to it. Maybe you'll do that seminar next year. But in the meantime, this year, August, Oklahoma City, Washington, D.C., OnePassion.org. Dr. Lawson, do you want to know what I think might be the greatest narrative, the greatest story in all of literature? Tell me. I, of course, the story of our Savior. That's 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 like on the mountain. So we're just good. That's the of jewel. Course. That's the crown right there. But I'm talking about a, here's a story of a man. It's got to be Genesis 38 through 50. Yeah, that's the Genesis. story. It is. I'm, I'm, it is so well written. It is. You sit on the edge of your seat going, oh, oh, and now the money bag. Oh, I get it. And now he recognized. It is an amazing story, and it is so filled with theology. Do you think that the story of Joseph can be used rightly as a typological picture of Jesus? Um, I did not use it as a uh, a type of Jesus, but I springboarded from Joseph to Jesus, and um, it, it it was some of the the most satisfying preaching for me to preach through Joseph. I took at least half a year, if not longer, to go through chapters 38 to 50. And I preached Christ all through those passages. Uh, for me, a type, there needs to be New Testament statements that this is a type uh, of Christ, or I'm going to be stepping off into a lot of allegorizing. It won't, it won't stop with Joseph. Um, it, it'll move on to er everything else in the Old Testament. However, we must get to Christ from every passage of the Old Testament. Yeah, and if you can, if you can't do it with the story of Joseph, wow! And you, and you're yeah, I, I'm a big fan too of making sure that, that there must be New Testament affirmation identification of an Old Testament type or shadow. But boy, I'll tell you. If I were ever going to violate that rule, I think it would be on <laughs> Joseph. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Wow. And if I and if I if I heard you preach and you did that, I would be encouraged and built up. I will say that. Dr. Stephen J. Lawson, he well, I'm just going to say it, he's smarter than AI. That's right. And you will learn so much as he downloads decades did that hurt a little bit? Decades of preaching experience. He's going to be in Oklahoma City, Washington, D.C. in August. Three days with Dr. Stephen J. Lawson, which means when you're done with three days, everybody, Steve, is going to laugh differently than before they got there. <laughs> That's truly funny. It's The first yeah, time people I'm hear you laugh, they're like, that came out of Stephen J. Lawson? It's so unexpected. You will be with him, his great laugh, and his even greater teaching on biblical expository preaching. $48, one cent. Can't miss that off. If you use the code wretched, it's $99.99, three days, and you get drive-by theology. We'll continue comparing human intelligence and artificial intelligence next on Wretched. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from 
pre-born. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at pre-born centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, it's a strange time in our world right now. Between the crazy inflation and the weird laws that people are fighting for, you just can't help but feel like we're living in a bit of a crazy reality TV show. But you know what? In the midst of all of the insanity that we're dealing with, God's still on his throne and he is still changing lives. As a matter of fact, he's changing lives through this ministry right here. Just listen to what Samantha had to say. She recently wrote in and said, God has used your ministry as a tool in my life that has grown me so much in my walk with the Lord. And hey, that's it, folks. That's what we exist for. And our gospel partners are who made that happen. And hey, if that's not enough, just know that we're members in good standing with the ECFA. That's right. We couldn't waste your money even if we wanted to. Just visit wretched.org slash donate to get the details. You can also text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God? It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Know your reformers. Ulrich Zwingli was a Swiss reformer who pioneered expository preaching, introduced the regulative principle, and brought a republican government to Switzerland. He fought against the Roman Catholic Church for theological and political independence and died in battle. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Who needs the artificial intelligence when you have Dr. Stephen J. Lawson? This is Wretched Radio. Uh, Dr. Lawson, he will be appearing. That made it sound like it was a show or something, like a Broadway opening. You're doing a stand-up routine or something. Uh, Nothing near that. It is going to be three days of great teaching on expository preaching. Pastor, please make a way to get to Oklahoma City or Washington, D.C. in August. Learn more at OnePassion.org. Please consider sending your pastor. Now, you're going to have to figure out how you're going to do this invitation. Steve, maybe you could walk us through this. So I'm thinking my pastor, I love my pastor. I love his preaching. But the promise here is every pastor will learn how to preach even better. So 
help me navigate this. Um, yeah. Hi, Ty. It's uh, it's Todd. Todd. Todd Friel. I'm one of your one of your members. You mean <laughs> you, the elders are talking about church discipline? OK, let's just set that aside for a moment. But Pastor Ty, um, you know, I love your preaching, but now see, that's where you get stuck. How do you invite your pastor to go to a preaching seminar without offending the man? Well, that, I think it's very simple. Uh, every preacher must be always striving to get to the next level of effectiveness in his preaching. Uh, Todd, I've been preaching for over 50 years. I'm trying as hard as I can to be sharper, to be better, to be more effective. And every one of us needs to be uh, striving to excel still more. And so what you say to your pastor is, Pastor, I love you. I'm so thankful to the Lord for you. And I just want to help you get to the next level. And if you can get to the next level, you're going to pull me up in my spiritual life to the next level. So this is really kind of selfish for me uh, to to, to urge you to, to go to this conference because your preaching has such an effect on my walk with the Lord. So please go so that I can be even become even more like Jesus Christ. OK, I, I, I can do better than that, Steve. And you can thank me for this later. Please, Pastor, go learn from a man who's been preaching from the age of five. <laughs> You're welcome for that. That was my little my little gift to you, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. I resemble that remark. <laughs> Register your pastor at onepassion.org. Don't forget, keyword, the code would be wretched. Dr. Lawson, I hold in my never before nicotine stained fingers, AI, artificial intelligence. I went to a chat bot. I was actually able to do this all by myself. And I asked the question, what are the cons to expository preaching? So far, you've disagreed with all of them. Let's see what you think about four, five, and six. Number four con, according to AI, risk of misinterpretation. Without proper hermeneutical skills or careful study, there's a risk of misinterpreting or misunderstanding the biblical text. It is crucial that preachers to ensure accuracy and avoid misrepresenting the intended message of the passage. Eh? I have I, I do not understand. I do not understand how that is a con to say if you preach consecutively through books in the Bible, you might misinterpret something. So there that reasoning is therefore I'll become a topical preacher so I can always misinterpret. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is no logic to that whatsoever. You will become a better interpreter of Scripture if you will preach verse by verse through books in the Bible. It will force you to sharpen your hermeneutical skills. So that, that doesn't even hold water. So, Todd, let's move on. Steve, well, I want to move back, actually. In the course of 50 years of preaching, have you ever biffed it with a text? Have I ever missed it with a text? Biffed it. You you got it wrong. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tell us, how would a pastor step into the pulpit the next week, having discovered that what he said the week prior was wrong without undermining his authority? How do you do that? Because it's like, wait, if you're wrong on that, you could be wrong on everything else. You're how does a pastor address mistakes? 
Well, he will never be wrong on primary issues in the Bible. He will never be wrong on matters of salvation and, and, and the essentials of Christian living. Where he's going to differ, even with himself in interpretation, it's going to be on secondary uh, matters. So we need to be clear about that. I mean, it's not like last week he preached salvation is by works, and now this week he preaches it's, it's by grace. Um, no, it's going to be on a secondary matter. Um, I, I have done that. I, I have misinterpreted uh, passages in divorce and remarriage. And so how did I get in the past, back in the pulpit uh, the next week or shortly thereafter? By humbling myself and saying that I had not fully understood all of the issues on this particular topic that I needed to have addressed. And I've given more careful thought and more careful study. And I have prayed about this and I need to set the matter straight and and bring to you clarity on this subject. And when I did, the people really responded, Pastor, thank you for being so honest with us. Thank you for further studying the Bible and and putting your arms around all of the verses that address this subject. So you just have to humble yourself and admit that it was a rush to judgment and with further careful thought, uh, I have a clearer understanding of what the Bible teaches on this subject. Your people will um, appreciate that. Yeah, we don't we don't see that enough. Now, if that happens every week, that, that might give rise for concern. Yeah. All right. Wow. Do you want to know what little rabbit hole I'd like to go down right now, Dr. Lawson? I, I would love to follow you down a rabbit trail. What your former position on divorce and remarriage is and what it is now. Can you do it really quick? Well, when I came out of seminary, uh, my position was there are no biblical grounds for divorce and there are no biblical grounds for remarriage. I had not studied the scripture enough. I was an embryonic pastor, uh, uh, barely out of seminary, and there were countless other passages that I had not addressed. And then I came to see there are two biblical grounds uh, for divorce, and that therefore, if you have had grounds for divorce, you would have grounds for remarriage. And obviously, I can't walk through all of those right now, but that really is the more time-tested, uh, reformed position uh, drawn from Scripture. Well, I'm glad you came around to that. We've been waiting well, for you all I along. Am as, <laughs> I am as well. <laughs> Number five. Because let me. Uh, let me just say this, Todd. You don't want to be any broader than the truth, but you also do not want to be any narrower than the truth. Can't make and, a law where there's no law. There, there's no virtue in being narrower than the truth. Okay, go on. And it, that becomes a heavy Next. yoke. Number five con of expository preaching, according to Mr. AI, attention span challenges. In an era of shorter attention spans, I can just hear you now. Some individuals may struggle to engage with lengthy expository sermons that go into theological exploration. Then, or this rather, can impact the effectiveness of the message and the audience's receptiveness. People, that this is an old wives' tale. This is a myth. 
that people have an attention span problem. Um, Saturday night, they go to the football game. Uh, The football game goes three hours. It goes into sudden death. They got there early for the pregame. They got there before that so they could have the the parking lot uh, barbecue. Uh, They've put in seven hours at the football stadium, and they are on pins and needles at the end of the overtime. And when the game's over, they don't want to leave. They still want to stay there. They want to hear the band play the fight song, et cetera. They go to sleep that night. It's about, you know, two o'clock in the morning when they go to bed. They wake up the next morning. They come to church. They're dead tired. And now suddenly they have an attention span problem. No, they have a heart problem. Or they go to a concert on Saturday night or Friday night. And there's a warm up. There's a warm up act before the main concert, Todd. And then there's there's a. I got you don't need two illustrations on the same point. How many do you have loaded in no, that I, gun of yours? I, I'm just a master illustrator. Go ahead. But it could be the it could be in fairness. You've got a preacher who frankly just isn't interesting. And if you would like to not be yeah, one of those preachers, absolutely. would encourage you to consider joining Dr. Stephen J. Lawson, where you will be regaled with illustration upon illustration and all kinds of helpful information to learn how to be an even more effective preacher. Pastor, please consider going. It's August, Oklahoma City or Washington, D.C., or bring it to your pastor's attention. Box of chocolates, something, a gift certificate to <laughs> Zaxby's. Hey, and why don't you go to see Steve Lawson? Visit OnePassion.org. Make sure you use the code Wretched. You will save $48, one cent on registration, and you'll get drive-by theology with Mr. Illustration, Dr. Stephen J. Lawson, I truly encourage you to go. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, starting today, we find ourselves in Florida, where an elementary school teacher in Pensacola stoked some controversy because she shared an LGBT-themed Disney movie with her young students. When parents expressed their concerns, not surprisingly so, the teacher defended her actions, asserting that parental rights are, quote, gone when children cross over the threshold into the public school. But, you know, teachers like that are not even the biggest threat to public education right now. No, I have found the absolute biggest threat to the public education system. The USDA is considering removing chocolate milk from school cafeterias. That's right, chocolate milk's officially been put on notice, and according to the USDA, it's going to be more elusive than a satisfying school lunch. (laughs) And I get it, their intentions are commendable. They want to promote healthier choices. Though I think chocolate milk is probably not their biggest enemy. But who am I? Well, in a move that respects the innocence of childhood, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has signed a new bill into law that is prohibiting children from participating in adult performances, including drag shows. 
As we've often noted here, the line between adulthood and childhood are a bit blurry these days. So kudos to Governor DeSantis for helping sharpen that line and protect our children just a little bit more. But in Texas, at Texans Children's Hospital, things are a little less clear over there. A, quote, gender-affirming doctor's online bio has mysteriously vanished following a whistleblower's revelation about covert gender transitioning surgeries on minors. The hospital seems to think that their accountability stops at just a bio on the website. No, there's a whole lot more accountability involved than just editing your website. Questions remain, and we're watching to see how it unfolds from here. And in news from the World Health Organization, they've decided that sexuality education starts at birth. <laughs> I mean, call me old-fashioned, but... Shouldn't you wait till the child can at least understand what you're saying? Oh, just another sign of how the world is quickly changing. And we wrap up today with a story that I'm sure you've already heard about, but Rick Warren, former pastor of Saddleback Church, has publicly stated that next month he has the intention to appeal the decision of the Southern Baptist Convention to sever ties with Saddleback Church over the church's endorsement and ordination of female pastors. You know, that just points to the crucial need of biblical clarity. The ordination of women as pastors has raised questions about Saddleback's adherence to Scripture as the ultimate authority. This isn't about personal agendas or attacks against Warren. It's about being faithful to God's Word. And that has been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio, straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important Dates in Christian History 64 AD. After fire ravages Rome, Emperor Nero blames Christians and unleashes the first state-sanctioned persecution of Christians. Roman persecution would continue for 250 years until Emperor Constantine officially recognized and defended Christianity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The good, the bad, and the bummer. That's right, the Southern Baptist Convention. It's shrinking, and that is not good. It's not good for evangelicalism. It's not good for America. It's just not good when an Orthodox, small Orthodox denomination starts to shrivel. And we have been seeing that trend with the Southern Baptists. Now, I suppose you could dive into the statistics. And I know that some would say the rules have been inflated historically. I, I grant you that. Nevertheless, church closures don't lie. You can be cleaning up the rules and the numbers might shrink but when your church numbers shrink, that is an indicator that something negative is happening. Do you remember the statistics that historically, prior to what we'll call modern-day evangelicalism, when it came to church membership, if you had, let's say, a 1,000 members, 1,300 people would show up. 30% more people, non-members, would show up than members because the members would show up. 
And then enough visitors would actually tip the number greater than the actual number of committed members. Today, it's the op- you got a thousand members, you're happy to get 400 people showing up. Our attitude toward church, it has radically changed. And as long as we're talking about our attitude toward church, <laughs> our buddy Tom Hammond, that's right, I called him buddy. I don't mean it, but our buddy Tom Hammond, who has written What Time is Purple and Solving the God Puzzle, well done, y'all. Together, we distributed two million copies of those booklets. That is just so encouraging, isn't it? That thousands of people went, yeah, I'll pass those out. We provided them. Tom wrote them. We provided them. And you distributed them. That's it. What a, what a, That's the body working to bring the gospel to people. Just a magnificent endeavor. And let's just wait for eternity to see the fruit of that. So our buddy, air quotes, Tom Hammond, tweeted this or texted this on the internet machine. <laughs> Debating the subject. When does casual in the church get too casual? He just stepped in it. <laughs> Have fun with that cleanup, Tom. He wrote this. The outward manifestations of the inward attitude are just that. And when you start down the paths of legalistic mores and expectations, you soon find yourself in a religiosity Jesus condemned. That's right. If you say, you, everybody's got to dress like this. Hold on. Where does the Bible say that? The Bible's too brilliant. It doesn't lock us into a particular fashion century or centuries fashion, I guess would be the best grammar. It doesn't it doesn't demand everybody look a particular way. Instead, we need to read our Bible. I think we need to understand some theology, some systems of theology to come up with the conclusion. How should we attempt to present ourselves to God when we go to church? So I think you've got a number of theologies involved here. You've got an ecclesiology asking the question, what are we doing here? Which Tom actually brings up next. Furthermore, you've got you've got a theology proper issue. Who is God? Siri, I, I, I know this argument. It almost seems a little bit cliched because I guess it is. But I still think it packs a punch. If you are you're not married, you're going out with a goyle. Assuming that you identify as a male, would you, would you make any effort to comb your hair? Clean up a little bit? Shower? Shave? Put, put on some duds that might, I don't know, impress? We would do it for a girl. We would do it. A girl would do it for a guy. We do it when we go to work. You come on, you make some, most people make some effort. You got to get cleaned up somehow to go to work. Why? Why do we make that effort to whatever degree that is? But when it comes to church, whatever, whatever, man, I got, it's just, it's just easier. It's just easier. And here's, here's sometimes the reason theology proper. Hey, do you get dressed up to go see your daddy? Well, well then why should we have to get dressed up to see our daddy on Sunday morning? Um, how's about because theology proper does indeed teach that God is imminent. He is near. He is our father, but he's also a consuming fire and he is three times holy. And we need to understand that balance of transcendence and imminence. And based on that theology proper understanding. Now, how should I present myself to the king? If you are going to the actual coronation. Would you have gotten dressed up? 
everybody was dressed to the nines. And that's the coronation of Charles. When we go to church, now we enter into the realm of ecclesiology. When we go to church, we are doing the loftiest thing a human being can do. Assembled together as the densest manifestation of God's presence on earth to hear from heaven through the lips of a sinful man and then return our praises. You can't do anything better. And we're going to dress like we just rolled out of bed or like it's no big deal. But back to Tom Hammond. We don't want to become legalists. On the other hand, when the pendulum swings too far the other way, you have to ask yourself, what are we doing in church? Why are we here? To get together for a brief spiritual bromance session with our Savior or to worship the Almighty Creator who the Bible describes as a God of utter holiness that burns with a righteous fire? It is a subject that is worth having. And I, will, I would also suggest to you this. It's not like I could be deemed a heretic, although these days on social media, you can be deemed a heretic for pretty much anything. I think the way you dress for church is evangelistic. There, I just said it. When you go to church and you go, your neighbors see you getting into your car dressed up, they know where you're going and they know that they're still in their jammies and that the only thing they're thinking about is social media and having a waffle, probably an ego, which have shrunk. I'm telling you, the ego waffles have shrunk. And I know this. This is not just mere musings about food size. I'm telling you, this is scientific because, you see, ever since the ego was introduced and I was probably alive for it. And when we had enough money in our family to actually get egos, because they've always kind of been a luxury in our home, I did the right thing every single time with every single ego. You trim off the crust and you eat that first, leaving you the squared center. Oh, the good part. And I've noticed they've gotten smaller and they've gotten more expensive. Building back broker, ladies and gentlemen, it manifests itself in a waffle. But we return to the Southern Baptist Convention. Whether they ever serve waffles at potlucks or not, we do not know. But they lost almost a half a million members. Oof, that's the largest in more than a century. That ain't good. It's declined by 1.5 million members since 2018 and more than 3 million members since 2006 or 8. One of the two. Yikes. Older members dying off. Fewer are replacing them. And that number is going to be accelerated. We've got ourselves a diminishing denomination. And that ain't a good thing. And I think one of the, one of the reasons, one of the reasons, there's many. There's, there's never like a tidy little, oh, here's why that church is shrinking. But one of the reasons is the Southern Baptists used to be so evangelistic. Some of them still are, but many of them have just gotten lazy, relying on social media, relying on billboards. They used to ring doorbells. Works for the J-dubs and the Mormons, tell you that much. The denomination also lost, yikes, 416 churches. That's a lot of churches. Hey, did I mention we're looking at starting a church in the northern suburbs of Atlanta? May 31st, it's going to be our second meeting. We have a number of families that are already saying, yeah, we like this idea. Well, we're going to be holding another one of those meetings. So if you're in northern Atlanta, if you're not, unless, of course, you want to move here, it is a nice place to live in. I met a guy from Ireland at the gym. You probably noticed I worked out. The guy that I was sharing the bench with, he was kind of a lightweight. 
He was Irish. But he, he's 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 here to start up Lidl, L-I-D-L. You pronounce it Lidl grocery stores oh. is how you pronounce them, apparently. And he was he was talking about how lovely it is to live in this region. Ireland is beautiful. It's lovely. But he was like, there's so much to commend this area for. So if you'd like to come and live here and be a part of a new church, fine. Otherwise, if it's too far away, don't because it should be a local church where you can engage locally. If you're interested in learning more about it, you can send an email to dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org. We're going to do it on a Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Cake Lavaza, because we have good coffee at this church. None of that Starbucks business. No, not us. We're going with the Lavazza because, let's be honest, coffee makes a difference in church. Join us uh, May 31st as we seek to start up a church. Hey, maybe, maybe we could buy one of these empty church buildings the Southern Baptist has lost. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now a sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault. But we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz. And they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2. Tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves 
$500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Mexican. The Incarnation is one of the greatest miracles recorded in the Bible. At the Incarnation, the eternal God became a human being. He did not abandon his deity, nor did he put on a human shell like a hand puts on a puppet. Jesus Christ is 100% human and 100% God, the only acceptable sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No. No, we're not done with the Southern Baptist. This is Wretched Radio. Uh, the big headline about the Southern Baptist Convention, it slips sliding away, and we don't like that. I don't like that when an Orthodox Methodist denomination goes, Kerfritz. We, uh, yes, I'm glad that churches are breaking off, starting up their own thing. We'd, we'd rather see even the mainline Protestant denominations just be, just adhere to your statements of faith. Just adhere to your creeds. Stay orthodox. We, uh, we, we love to see small old orthodox denominations flourishing. Uh, so when we see something like the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the largest Protestant denomination in America, shrinking, uh-oh. But there maybe are some lessons to be learned. Even though 416 churches have closed, they've lost 1.5 million members. Woofda. In the last few years, that is staggering. No, more than 3 million members since 2006. Here was an interesting detail. Despite the decline in members, giving to the SBC remains steady. $10 billion. That's B with a billion right there. $10 billion. But I thought this was fascinating. Attendance was up 5%. To 3.8 million in 2022. Okay, so they've got 13 point some million members, but only 3.8 million people are attending. There's that negative trend that we've seen. This is a reversal in the way that it used to be when we expected people to be members who showed up. And if you didn't show up regularly, you were disciplined because we cared. If you are not a member of your local church, please become one. Please. It's for the health of your church, it's for the health of your denomination, and it is for your personal safety. If you start riding off the range, they're going to come get you and lasso you back in, or they are going to let you go, and you don't want to be out there by yourself. Become a member of a local church. We continue church news. Nigeria, 50,000 people professing to be Christian. Now, they don't discriminate. It could be Catholic. It could be Protestant. 50,000 massacred in Nigeria for being Christian in the last 14 years. That would be the religion of peace doing that. In America, most Latinos used to identify as Catholic. No mas. It's fallen from 67 to 43% in America. The, the, the people who I'm not, I'm not thinking about how they got here legally or illegally, 
The point is, they're not as Catholic as they once were. Now, you have to acknowledge that they are also growing in the camp of atheist and agnostic or nothing in particular. But also, a lot of them are getting saved. Speaking of the Roman Catholic Church, more than 150 Catholic priests in Maryland sexually abused 600 children spanning 80 years different areas of Maryland, one deacon in the report admitted to having molested over 100 children. He was an overachiever, that guy. Telling you, back of the truck. You're sorry. You're you're just you've give you forfeited your right to live. Sorry. There are just such animalistic behaviors that a human being can perform. You no longer have the privilege of breathing air. Molesting a hundred children? If that doesn't qualify, mm, mm, mm. and I'll bet the number is staggeringly higher. Which denomination tithes the most? This was, oh, a shocker. Southern Baptist Convention Lifeway Research. Hmm. I could make some sort of a link there to the shrinking of members and the money that they spend on research like this, but I'm not going to. More than three in four American Protestant churches view tithing as a biblical command that the faithful must abide by today. That's a bummer because I think that that is a sign that we've we've forgotten what Christianity is about. Yep, I'll be that dramatic. Is Christianity about formulas, about mechanical giving, whether it's painful or not? Just here's the percentage. Give it. And the answer is no. And by the way, it never has been. In the Old Testament, there were several tithes totaling 33 and a third percent. Not, never was 10%, but those were more like their taxes than they were tithes then. I think it's Exodus 34. No, it's an Exodus that you give maybe 24. You give out of the heart. You, you give what you desire to give, and that's what we see in the New Testament. No command to give 10%. Give God what you want. And I just want, it's not, it's not a heretical teaching, but the, the, the dogma that says you've got to give 10%. You can give more if you want to, but that's, that's the bare bones minimum, and you can get away with that. Misses what Jesus has done for us. You say, well, you're just being a little bit dramatic. No, he, he gave everything to us, and we should give everything we can to him because of what he has given to us. That is the heart of our faith. That is the heart of giving, and that is way more challenging than 10%. Seriously, especially in the West, so many people can just 10%. Okay, pre or post-tax. Huh? Pre or post What are we talking about here? Pre or post- and they, they can write out the check. And they, they can give it, and there's there's no joy in it. There's no heart behind it. It's, it's being obedient to a moralism that I don't think is found in the Bible, and it misses the gospel. What should you give? What do you want to give? That's, that's the attitude of the Christian. Why don't you want to look at porn? Well, because I'm not supposed to. No, because you don't want to look at porn. That's why you don't sin. I don't want to sin. Well, I'm not supposed to, and my parents could get mad. Well, that most certainly is true, 
that that's not the point. Christianity is the heart religion that we have been stirred and we have been affected and we have been changed. And then we desire to die to self. Then we desire to give sacrificially. That's what Christianity is about. Ugh, not going to read this. Not going to do it. I'm not going to read this headline from the Miami Herald. It's kind of a church news story. It's about the Bible. Worried about kids reading about rape, murder, and incense? incest? Better ban the Bible. Oh, okay. That's, that's brilliant. Because he's, this individual is apparently, by the way, is a theological scholar. states that the Bible is loaded with the very same stuff that those conservative Christians are trying to ban from libraries. Uh, no, no, it's not. And the, it, it would be, it would be, they're, they're comparing, I don't even, an apple to a lizard. What these books that they're given to the kids in the schools, they're, they're, they're sexual. They promote illicit behavior. The Bible never talks about these rape, murder, and incest. Does it ever glamorize them? No, just the opposite. They're real because, well, human beings do those things. But they're not written in a voyeuristic manner. They're not written explicitly. They're not written to glorify sinful behavior, to encourage aberrant thinking. They're no, by no means erotic. So these people that say, well, the Bible has those things. Therefore, it's just like what they're trying to ban in the schools. They, you know what they should do? I've got the solution. Or they should just read the Bible. Hey, at a Catholic church, St. Paul the Apostle. You can go see a new spiritual journey display. It's called The God is Trans, a Queer Spiritual Journey Display in a Catholic Church. Oof, Some Christian leaders call anti-trans laws an abomination. The president of UNI, Union Theological Seminary. Listen to this language. Now, this, they paint it as we're trying to terrorize people who are transgender. No, we're trying to protect children. Okay. There's the narrative. We're trying to protect children. As a Christian leader, it's horrifying that Christianity and the Bible are being used by the religious right to bludgeon people through many bills. To use religious language like that is an abomination. So protecting children, an abomination. A pastor of a united, you and I, United Church of Christ wrote this. These bills are the most vitriolic and cruel legislation I've seen. Oh, here's an interesting add-on. I have a non-binary teacher, teenager, so I take this really personally, not just as a person of faith and as a lesbian, but as a mom. Say no more, uni Christian, Wesleyan University. They actually have a democratic socialist club (laughs) celebrating the fact that Wesleyan, that's, you maybe hear the word Wesley as in John Wesley in there. They are now going to pay for the students to get abortions. Cool. They'll pay for travel. They'll pay for medication. Cool. Listen, listen very carefully. You know what that sound is. It's coming from Great Britain in a church graveyard. That would be John Wesley spinning in his grave like a lathe. Please love your church. Even love your denomination. Become a member of your local church. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.